Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. I hope this week has been uh, restorative for you. I hope that you've spent some time with yourself, taking care of the inner workings of your mind and your feelings and your life. I also hope that you've had some time to connect with people in the ways that you have access to right now because that is the best way that we can get through this time is by reminding ourselves that we're only as separate as we let ourselves be. And I hope that in some of these extended hours of time for conversation, you found ways to reach out to old friends, family, Anybody that you've been telling yourself, oh, I need to call them, give them a call, you know? Like, what do you guys really have to talk about, you know, that's going to be a bad thing? And every conversation is in your hands, you know? Like, people just want to hear from you. So, I've been spending a lot of time talking to friends recently. Um, Many friends, from the friends I knew when I was younger, in San Antonio, to friends at Auburn, either from my theater department or from the coffee shop that I used to work at or the community that I was a part of. And I'm talking to a lot of new people too, um, engaging on you know different kinds of dating apps, engaging with groups on Facebook that have similar interests in me and making friends off of that. It's been really nice in this time where everything's really, really strange to kind of get some normalcy um, in, the, in the form of people just coming together and talking and trying really hard not to let the way that the world has changed underneath us like this, not letting that uh, remove our humanity and our connectiveness. Something that's become really apparent to me in my conversations recently is a hard thing to talk about. Um, That's probably why it's taking me so long to realize it. Uh, Everything that I would like to say, I would like to, to just preface with, I am very proud of the things that I've learned and I'm very proud of the education that I have. And I'm happy to be the person I am with the beliefs that I have. And I'm grateful that I've learned how to have my own feelings about things. And also hear what other people have to say. Um, Because there's a difference between being so steady in what you have to say, to think, to believe. That you don't leave room for new information. And being open. Being open isn't about pouring yourself out. It's, it's about, you know, no barrier, no, it's about not putting cages on the way that you talk to different people. Um, I know that that comes from a place of safety for a lot of people and that's absolutely necessary. But when you're talking to people that you're not afraid of or where there's no potential for fear, so, you know, your friends, your family, your partners, your whatever, it's kind, of, it's kind of our duty to make sure that we're the most authentic versions of ourselves with the people that we can trust so that when we have to put those cages on ourselves and go out into the world to protect ourselves and you know, make sure that we're being gentle 
um, we're still coming from a place of honesty. Because if all you're ever doing is living within those cages, you don't really know where you stand. You don't really know what room you actually have. Those cages are supposed to be... (sighs) Those cages are put in place to protect you. And I would say nine times out of ten, we get so comfortable in those cages that we forget that we can open the door. It's not locked. It's our cage. It's a cage built by a larger structure. Absolutely. Built, manufactured by the American patriarchy, the American matrix since day one. You didn't make that cage. But you did put it on yourself. You, 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 well, you put it, okay, you didn't put it on yourself. Somebody taught you this is where you need to live. And you went, okay, and you went inside the cage. And that's great that you're safe. And I hope that if that's how you, if you feel safe in that cage and you have to go back every once in a while, please, you know, take care of yourself. But living in a cage doesn't give you room for growth. It doesn't give you room to move. It doesn't give you room to understand new things. So I've been talking to a lot of my friends. I've been talking to a lot of my male friends, my guy friends, my dude friends. I have many of these friends. I have been a dude girl my whole life, to a fault in some ways. Uh, (laughs) But from the time that I was really young, my first best friend, my first best friend that didn't come out of my mother's friendships was a boy. We were very close. And of course, when two, when a girl and a boy are close, no matter what age, we tell them, oh my gosh, you guys are going to be so cute together when you get older. So we played that game with my first best friend for a while. We were four years old. We went on dates to the zoo. We hung out all the time. I spent the night at his house. His mom and my mom were close for a while. And we were really tight. It became abundantly clear as we aged, I mean, within that first year of knowing each other, it became abundantly clear that my best friend and I were connected, not because we were romantically interested in each other, but because we had a lot in common. From the time that I met this kid, my family had been talking about, oh, he's probably gay, but he's in love with our daughter right now, so whatever. 10 years later, the same boy who I'm friends with pulls me out of a rehearsal in high school to tell me, hey, I just really need, I just need someone to know this and I need you to know this and I need, I need, just, I need it to just be off my chest. I'm gay. And I was like, I know, can I go back to rehearsal? But it's interesting because our whole relationship was so steadily founded on this idea that they would be such a cute couple together, right? My connection with dudes has lasted my whole 26 years. I have always been the kind of person who like wants to get along with everybody. Um, so long as everybody who wants to get along with me is letting me be myself. And there's a lot of competition put in, in female friendship culture. And uh, from a young age, I wasn't really crazy about that. From a young age, my, my other best friend who was female had some medical issues that gave her, made her a target for bullying. And so I never had a competitive relationship with her because she was two years older than me, but I put the position on myself of protecting her when we were in after school care because I was a fiery little shit and there were mean kids trying to pick on her and I was loud and she wouldn't be allowed to protect herself. Excuse me. So 
I just had a hard time growing up in this world where we kind of tell women like, There are messages from the patriarchy that if you don't do it well enough, some other woman will come do it better and take it from you. It doesn't matter if they're better at it than you. If you're not good enough, somebody else will come along and snatch it up. So then, you know, fast forward through a lot of things. I went to college and I was put in a major, or I was put in a major. <laughs> I went to college and I entered a major that was very, very um, progressive and, and open about the way they talked about gender politics. I am a theater major. I have been doing theater my whole life. So part of my understanding of the masculine-feminine dichotomy, or the male-female dichotomy, truly, <laughs> Part of my understanding of that comes from being entrenched in a culture that is heavily feminine my whole life. There are plenty of men in theater. And there are even more women. That competition factor, heightened. But femininity is championed in theater. It's art. Art lets femininity in. So all the men that I knew from theater had this different kind of tap into that femininity. Whether they are... Uh, straight men who can feel different ways than, than, than the average straight man. So that's also why they're good at expressing other opinions and other personalities and other perspectives on stage. Or whether they are gay men who have a space where they get to be fully proud of who they are. Because from everything I've ever experienced in the theater world, and I know this is not 100% true because my experience cannot reflect the experience of a gay man, as much as I've seen, for me though, um, gay men are you know, allowed to be themselves here in theater world, in art world. They're, they're allowed to be gay. They're allowed to explore that. They're allowed to, to be whatever, whatever part of that spectrum they want, right? There's so much, <laughs> there's so much thankfulness and openness for bisexuality and for, for just like overt gay themes like let's just get everyone really comfortable right let's just make everyone really comfortable with this stuff that makes people super uncomfortable right we live in a time now where you know rupaul's drag race is one of the biggest things that's going on you know um queer eye for the straight guy i mean it's we live in a different world now than we did when we were kids coming up when we were being raised when we were being told this is what a man is this is what a woman is Things have changed a lot. And the next generation of children, I mean, we're already seeing these kids have so much expressive power and so much, so much um, engagement and so much desire to just be themselves. And, like, that's so powerful to me for so many reasons. Um, when I went to college and I got really, I took my first feminist, feminist you know, class, women's studies class. We talked about feminism a lot in my other classes, but this was my first class. It was not a theater class. It was a, it was a women's studies minor course. And it changed everything for me. It changed the way that I saw the world. It, it answered a lot of questions about why I've been treated certain ways. And it created a lot of fear in me because all of a sudden this world was this giant monster that was just ready to, ready to swipe under my feet whenever it had the chance. So I became vigilant as hell constantly vigilant about feminism and about my place in this world as a woman and about what it means and about 
how I deserve to be looked at and treated, right? I got really serious about that. My first tattoo was the women's gender symbol. Um, It means a lot to me. I see it. It's the only tattoo I can see at all points of, of my day, all the time. It's on my wrist. And I have been proudly championing championing feminism as a way of thinking about things that is right for about uh, five years now. In my head, feminism was it. You know, like feminism was practically a political belief in terms, you know, are you a liberal? Oh, I'm a feminist. That became an identifier that gave me a lot of power and a lot of friends and a lot of room to stand my ground and soapboxes to perch up on. It also made me really scary to a lot of people. Um, I didn't make any new male friends for years. There just wasn't the space for it. I wasn't looking for it. I didn't want to talk to men like that, that I didn't already know, right? Because at this point I was like, well, luckily I know a handful of really fucking cool men and everybody else sucks. So I told myself, you know, women is what I need. I'm going to read books by women. I'm going to talk to women mentors. I'm going to speak to my female mentors. I'm going to go out and I'm going to, to just get as much information. Oh, this is a woman, a woman owned business. I'm applying to this job. Um, And it became, like, I mean, it became, like, the point of everything I did. All the art I made, everything I wrote, all the friendships I had, all the conversations that I I started with people. The whole point of all those things was, like, fuck yeah, feminism. (laughs) The whole point of those things was, let's prove just how much better women are than this trash that they've given us, than this perspective of life that they've given us, than the opportunities that they've put in front of us, calling them opportunities when really they're, they're, they're shackles, right? And all of those things are still very important to me. But something has shifted in me over the past couple of weeks, month or so. I've been talking to a lot of guys, romantically, as friends, just a lot of guys, because I've opened myself up to new people, and guys are who I gravitate towards, so seeing a couple dudes, talk to them about life, and when you start getting into, like, real conversations with men, whether it be men that you know really well from the past, men that you're just now meeting that you're trying to get to know better, it's really always interesting to me the way that You don't ask for the darkness. And they don't say, let me give you my darkness. You start talking about real things with these men. Things that they're scared of. Things that have hurt them in the past. Ways they've been abused. And not just in the way that we think all men get abused, and that's just part of being a man, which just makes me sick to my stomach to say. Um, (sighs) 
So when I was 13 years old, I picked up the book Fight Club by Chuck Palahniuk. I'd never seen the movie at this point. I picked up the book at 13 and I read it. And I was like, oh. as, a, as a budding anti-capitalist woman, it was a pretty fucking dope book to read. But I got through the book and I was like, huh, interesting. Men are really violent. I watched the movie. Watched it a couple times in my youth. I was like, oh, dudes just, dudes just don't know how to cope with what's going on inside of them. Like, they just, this is just how they feel. Okay. Okay. I guess I can see that. I see, I see the validity of this story. I see the ways in which this is beneficial. I see the way, like, I got it. I got it really young. Not all the way, but I understood the general concept as a 13-year-old that when, when, when men are put in this situation of B, 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 don't feel, 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 that the B starts to take over the feel, and the feel is still going to be there, even if they don't know how to look at it. This is such a, such a sensitive topic, and it's so hard to talk about without, without coming across as um, insensitive in one way or another. Um, but I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop, uh, pussyfooting around what I have to say here because I think that the best way for us to really start to talk about this kind of thing is to be really blatantly honest about what's going on. So I think that in 2020 right now, the time is coming for us to reevaluate the ways that we approach practicing feminism. I would like to put, uh, I want to put a bug out there in some people's gears because this has been the best way for me to truly look at the ways that we are kind of warping the concept of feminism to make it look like something that is supportive and for all positive growth when in reality we are we are alienating more than half of the people in this world because it's not a 50-50 split between women and men that's uh it's a pretty uh the conversation that the world is split between men and women completely negates any presence of I don't know, gender fluidity, non-binary identity, all those kinds of things. Oh, well, those fit under the realm of feminism. Okay, sure. I agree with that. I agree that we talk about all these things under the guise of actual feminism. But I would like to uh, challenge the notion that mainstream feminism is working for everybody. And I would like to say that it feels a lot more to me Like, feminism as a mainstream concept has forgotten that feminism is not about gender. Feminism is not about gender. I had a conversation with a non-binary friend of mine, this conversation, and they said to me, as a non-binary representative, wow, that's a fucked up way to say that, I guess. They said to me, as someone who is non-binary, how about that? As someone who is non-binary, feminism is a hard thing for me because 
there are masculine elements to my nature, just as there are masculine elements to everyone's nature. And I am looking at a system that tells me that half of me, sometimes less than half, sometimes more than half of me, can't relate to what we're talking about right now. And that hit me really hard because they're absolutely right. Feminism is not about gender. Feminism is about femininity. The feminine and the masculine do not translate to female and male. We spend a lot of time in the feminist culture talking about labels and talking about the ways that it's important to be able to identify people correctly because, you know, people want to be identified by, as themselves, and I feel that. But I find it interesting that this structure that's so serious about labels so that we know, but then we don't, you know, but the labels aren't a reason to treat anybody any differently. We're in this conversation of feminism, sitting here telling every masculine energy, this isn't about you. I don't know about other women out there. I've got some pretty masculine tendencies. I've often felt like a woman who operates in the world like a man because of the way that I assert myself. I think that this is a really spacey conversation today. (laughs) This is a really scattered conversation today because I really just want to be very clear when I say that I am abundantly grateful for the things that feminism has taught me, for the things that feminism has explored and understood. And I am in no way claiming that feminism isn't valuable. I'm in no way claiming that feminism is wrong. I am gonna make another claim though, and I'm probably gonna upset some people, and that's okay. To me, it feels like ever since around the 2016 election, Feminism has kind of been taken over by the patriarchy, guys. Feminism as a, as, a, as a broad, no, not broad. Feminism as a mainstream movement concept has shifted from something that is about bringing people together and making them seem, feel seen, making them feel understood, and has become this thing that's about labeling and putting cages and saying, no, this doesn't count for that. No, this isn't right. Like, compared to what I've seen, that's not true, so you're trying to gaslight me. There's so much... It's like we went so far in the direction of, like, holding it down to the ground, like, putting our feet, like, burying our feet in the ground of, like, yes, we're fucking here, to the point where there's no mobility. And I understand that when you are fighting for yourself, when you're fighting for the rights of women, when you're fighting for... All the ways in which, yes, women are absolutely still being persecuted and treated wrong. And just all those things are valid. I'm not ever going to say they're not valid. But guys, we've got dudes. We have men staying in relationships for years and years and years where they're being slapped and hit in the face with kitchen appliances and their personal belongings are being smashed, their PlayStations, their, their everything, their, their, their computers, their instruments, things are being smashed to pieces when they fight. Who do these dudes go to? How do they know this isn't just okay? 
Because we treat men to think that fighting is caring. Fight club, yo. We teach men to think that the only way you can be fully passionate is with anger. So when the person they love is throwing things at their head and smashing them in the face, they think they're loved. They think they care so much that this is just the way it has to be. Trigger warning ahead. Uh, I'm not sure how long it'll be. Give me a few minutes, I guess, or give me like a minute or so. If I ever hear another woman say the phrase, well, of course, men get raped too, as a throwaway to brush off the trauma of what I'm about to talk about, it's not going to be pretty for her. Because I was that woman. Of course men get raped too. Of course men get raped too. We know this. But it's not the same. Right? Oh, no, no, of course we never say that. We never say it's not the same. But it's not the same. Because, like, yeah, dude, you got raped, sure. But, like, I've been raped by the patriarchy and everything they've been doing. And, like, my whole family, every woman in my family. And then it goes into all the ways your life is so much harder because you have a vagina. You qualify their pain to match yours. And then when it doesn't, because no pain looks the same. Their pain is no longer valid. At least they don't feel that way. I have friends who have mental health issues that they don't talk about because they were raised that therapy and taking care of your mind wasn't important. And they're suffering every day because they don't want to admit that they need help. Because we've been telling them, it's not your job to need help. It's your job to be the person making things happen. We've been telling men for years now, well, you were in control. You know, you were trying to control us men. You can't control us anymore. We we reject that. We reject you. Forgetting that men aren't controlling anybody. Men are in the same matrix that we are, guys. Men are being told that they have control from the moment they're born. You have control. You can control everything. And then when they can't control things, they're told, yes, you fucking can. Go control it. That's, that's some really deep-seated stuff. And I don't really know why we still believe that the best way to combat these poor doctrines that we've put into these men's minds is by telling them that they suck. Is by telling them that like, oh, well, you don't mean to be controlling, but you are. You don't mean to be abusive, but you are. You don't mean to scare women, but you do. Because guess what? You're a man and that's what you're here for. And it's your fault. It's all of your faults that we feel this way. And there's nothing you can do to fix it because it just is that way now. This just is the way the world works now. We've just accepted this othering as too bad. We've lived on this world long enough. And in that time, we've decided that men and women now no longer get to play on the same team. I'm going to cut myself short on this because I could go on for a very long time and I am already sure that I've said some things off color or in a way that I will come across as insensitive and 
more than anything, I would like everyone to hear that this is not my intention. But intention doesn't really matter, does it? So I'll tell you my intention. But you are allowed to feel whatever you want to feel. I would like to flip the script on feminism, guys. I would like to stop making this an othering game. I would like to open the conversation back up between, between genders and across the spectrum. Because truly, at the end of the day, feminism is not called womanism. And we need to hear that on both sides. Men, it's called feminism, not womanism, which means it applies to you too, which means you have feminine qualities and that's more than okay. And it's more than okay that that's scary, but there's nothing wrong with you. And feminism is for you. Because guess what, dudes? You all started out as women. Adding the chromosome from your dad, that's what made you a dude. We all started in the same place. We all have femininity within us. It flows in our veins. We all have estrogen. On the opposite side of that, women, feminism is not called womenism. Which means we need to stop pretending like men are not allowed to be a part of the conversation. Because in saying men, you don't get to be a part of the conversation. You are literally crushing the feminine in all of them. Every time you tell a man that it's not their place to hear or question or wonder or ask, you're crushing the feminine qualities in these men. The same feminine qualities that are the qualities that would allow you to have a better relationship with them if you would just accept that we're all coming from a different place and that we're all just trying to understand. We're all just out in this world trying to understand ourselves and the people around us And it is hard enough to do without millions and millions of people telling you, well, you've got a dick, so this whole conversation that's taking over mainstream media, you're not a part of it. (laughs) So, I'm going to leave that there today. Let's put that conversation back. Tuck it away. It's in the drawer. It'll come back out whenever it needs to. But now here we are, and it's Sunday. I got Wi-Fi this week. I got a job this week. My first regular job since, like, 2017. I'm really excited about that. It's been, like, half monsooning out here in Texas and half, like, well, central Texas. We know it's all different. And then, like, it's beautiful today. I want to spend today really appreciating how blessed I am to have this home that my family is letting me stay in, to have my pets here who are just beacons of light and manifestations of me in ways that (laughs) it's a fun experience having three of me in this house outside of me. Um, And I just want to encourage everybody to... Remember that Sundays are still Sundays today, you know, in this time. Friendships are still friendships. Your uh, 
your parents are still your parents. Your siblings are still your siblings. Your cell phone still works just as well as it did when you could go wherever you wanted. So remind yourself of just how connected you are in this time where othering feels inevitable. Take some time. Have a, have a two-hour phone conversation with a friend, you know? I don't know, I just... I'm really grateful for the people I have in my life and for the ways they open up to me and for the ways that they allow me to be myself and to grow. And I would like to pass that nugget of acceptance and love on and say, you deserve it too. Your people deserve it too. You love them for who they are. So just go be with them for a little bit. It's a nice reminder. It's a nice reminder of how wonderful and loved and accepted you are. At the end of the day, we're all just people. Human beings, in one way, shape, or form, trying to function on this planet in a really uncertain time. And I think that the best way for us to do that is to remember that we're not alone. Namaste.